Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those words are rather famous. Anyone who knows Handel's Messiah will know them as music, a warm and melodious tenor aria. They also appear in the Book of Common Prayer as the first of the comfortable words at Holy Communion, inviting those who might feel overburdened by a sense of sin to receive the sacrament. They're often quoted by preachers, missionaries and evangelists, appealing to those who are unsure of faith, who are wondering about faith, to turn to Christ and find peace for the troubled soul and the restless heart. And it may be that during these first weeks of term, they'll have already played a part in the mission of college Christian unions, the mission that the university church and the college chaplains are offering, not that it's a mission, of course, necessarily, and the town centre churches to new undergraduates. The beginning of university life is an opportunity to challenge and to be challenged, and many of those who are now ministers in the church can trace their vocation to an encounter with this text. They have a resonance deep within our Protestant Western culture. But there's also something more for us to reflect on in these words, in their original context, here in Matthew's Gospel. Christianity, according to the French philosopher Simone Weil, is a religion of slaves. She had a particular reason for taking that view. She had a deep and lifelong sympathy for the poor, especially for those whose lives were dominated by heavy and unrewarding work low wages and a constant struggle to survive. As she saw it, the Gospels show Jesus speaking particularly to such people, to the have-nots, to the overstressed, to those who struggle through poverty, sickness or misfortune. But Jesus was not in fact the first to have invited the poor and the needy to come and find rest. It's a theme that resonates through the Old Testament as well. And particularly, those words echo a poetic passage in the eighth chapter of the book of Proverbs. This is a great song of praise to wisdom, God's wisdom, which is personified as a kind of female apprentice helping God in the creation of the world. Wisdom is described standing like a town crier at the crossroads, at the gates of the city, at the places of entrance and exit and choice. She calls out to those who know they're lacking in sophistication, knowledge, experience, and she promises enlightenment and initiation into maturity. And what she's offering, at least in the Proverbs version, is not some esoteric mystical experience, nor is it some superior status disguised as humility. It's much more practical and focused than that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom in the Bible is always both cosmic and very down to earth. It's about competence, about living your life well, but it's also about living 
with reverence that a sense of how everything belongs and fits together. Wisdom's offer, wisdom's gospel if you like, is simply this, the possibility of a life lived in the presence of God. This, wisdom claims, is the way to live, a sane way to live, to live as a creature within the limits of our creaturely nature, yet allowing and encouraging all that we have and are to flourish. It's to live a worthwhile life, whatever our material circumstances. To live in the presence of God is to know something of peace, even in the midst of struggle. So I think Jesus, in this passage from Matthew's Gospel, is taking on the same role as wisdom in the Proverbs. He thanks God for hiding these things from the wise and prudent and revealing them to babes. It's very curious how these words of Jesus anticipate many of the teachings he gives in John's Gospel, almost as though that master poet, St John, has taken these few lines from Matthew and woven them into some of those great discourses in the 17th and other chapters of the end of John's Gospel. But wisdom, as Jesus in this passage, appeals to all who are not wise by normal standards, all who know that they have something to learn, all who are humble enough to be vulnerable, simple enough to be hungry for truth. We know that his audience were probably people who had very little power in their lives, very little agency and few material resources. And we can guess that what he was heard to offer, above all, was dignity. But then he uses a metaphor which might make us hesitate. He's speaking to people whose lives are controlled by others, to slaves of circumstance or necessity. And he offers them not a boundless freedom from all constraint, but what he calls an easy yoke. The yoke, of course, comes from the world of agriculture, the oxen are yoked to the plough which they drag through the soil. It's heavy work, drudgery, the burden of beasts. Many of those who heard him would have known those burdens all too well. The aching back, the stiff knee joints, the endless, weary exhaustion of it all. And Christ offers, by contrast, a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. But there is still a yoke. The disciple has a master, the trainee has a coach, the pupil a teacher. And that is where people of our age might find the metaphor difficult or even offensive. There is that in many of us which wants to say, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul, I am not yoked to anybody or anything. That within us which equates personal authenticity with freedom from all constraints. We might accept certain disciplines for a while in the interests of gaining a necessary skill. We might submit to physical training, music practice, essay writing to gain a fit body or a competence or a qualification. But we somehow <coughs> expect and hope that the real and controlling me will still be there controlling things from within. Of course, this is an illusion because, in a sense, we become what we practice. We may strive for autonomy, but the self which has absorbed the discipline so well that he or she becomes a master of it rather than a pupil is not the same person as the person they were at the beginning. 
disciplines we take on become internalised, imprinted on us as part of our character. And so I think it is with the appeal of Christ to be wisdom for us. Bearing the light and easy yoke is the way to living with lightness and freedom, with having an internal compass that points us to the good, the beautiful and the true, those eternal values with which, without which human beings cannot either be free or flourish. I'm not suggesting that those eternal values are uniquely Christian or that wisdom can only be accessed through the Gospels. The core of wisdom is universal, but the response varies from age to age and place to place. A Jew reciting the Shema, a Muslim answering the call to prayer, are taking on the yoke of divine wisdom as it has come to them through Moses and through Muhammad. But there's still something that I think is remarkable about the invitation of Christ as we hear it in this passage. For the voice of wisdom which we hear here is not a personification of wisdom, it's not an ideal. It is, by contrast, a person, a flesh and blood person, a personality, who in spite of all that happened on the first Good Friday to rub him out of history, still speaks. Wisdom is clothed in flesh. The flesh itself is transformed and transposed and speaks from eternity, but into the now. So Christ, our wisdom, is not an ideal or a set of values, but a friend, a friend of the soul, a friend of the one we truly are. So to take on the yoke of Christ is to take on the dignity of being as Christ is, a son or daughter of God. There are many challenges and choices that come to all of us at this time of year, but I tonight invite you to listen again to that voice, calling you to discover, rediscover, discover for the first time perhaps who you truly are to train under that yoke which can make you more than you dreamed you were, and to rest in that peace which passes all understanding.